The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. How can we fight a growing plastic waste tide? In 2018, the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, along with the UN Environment Programme, managed to convince big consumer goods companies, including Coca-Cola, Unilever and Mars, to embrace voluntary commitments to reduce the use of plastic packaging. Yet progress is still too slow. To find out whether investors should worry, listen on. Welcome to The Exchange, a conversation with people of interest around the world. I am Lisa Yuka, European Business Editor for Reuters Breaking Views. For this week's episode, I spoke to Sander de Freud, who leads the New Plastics Economy Initiative at the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, to discuss how to tackle the global plastic waste challenge. Despite growing awareness of the need to reduce plastic usage, plastic demand is on the rise and expected to treble by 2060. Recycling alone is unfortunately not a silver bullet, with consumers, investors and governments getting increasingly worried about plastic pollution, global rules to restrict and manage the use of plastic are on the cards. So Sander, it's very good to have you here. Thank you so much for agreeing to join us for the exchange. Your foundation, the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, has for years worked to raise attention at a global level about the growing problem of plastic waste, in particular packaging. And in 2018, together with the UN Environment Programme, the foundation launched the New Plastic Economy Commitment, um, uh, which an, an initiative which mobilised hundreds of companies in the fight against the excessive use of plastic. There was a lot of enthusiasm at the time of the launch of the initiative. How have things evolved since then? Yes, 2018 was indeed a, a very important milestone where we moved from awareness and, and kind of notional support of a vision of a circular economy to, to a whole bunch of stakeholders, businesses, governments and, and others all committing to uh, specific 2025 targets to, to help make that vision of a circular economy for plastics a, a reality. So they committed to work towards eliminating all the plastics that we don't need, innovating the plastics that we do need to make sure they're all reusable, recyclable or compostable, um, and then circulating all the plastics we use to make sure they're also reused, recycled and composted in practice. Um, so since then, we've um, a lot of things have happened uh, and we see let's say, a, a mixed progress, uh, mixed both in terms of the different uh, types of commitments they've made. If we look at recycled content, for example, there we see very strong progress uh, since the launch of the global commitment. Uh, the use of recycled plastics in packaging has has doubled and if you from 5 to 10%. So if you put that in perspective, it means that in the past three years, they've added more recycled plastics in packaging than they did in all the decades before that. Um, but then if we look at other areas, uh, such as the commitment to make all plastic packaging reusable or recyclable, there we do see um, we're not on track. And in particular, uh, the, as the industry is really struggling with, with things like flexible packaging and um, making, uh, you know, sol solving the, the, the waste issue of flexible packaging. 
Indeed. So there has been progress and we can maybe dig a little bit into some of the data um, you gave us just now. But uh, um, I, I wanted to ask you maybe first, you know, a general question about recycling. You know, there are figures, I mean, from your foundation, but also we've seen from the OECD, which show that only a, a small portion of the plastic produced, uh, I mean, actually gets recycled. Mm -hmm. I think the OECD gave us a figure of less than 10%. So still, you know, an enormous amount of plastic gets dumped in, in landfills uh, or, or it's burnt or, or not properly collected. So, uh, you know, is this in a way the reason why obviously we, we need to be more careful with the use of plastic, but why isn't it possible to recycle, you know, a much larger amount of plastic? Yeah, I think what you're what you're pointing out is is right. It 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 is both a need to really significantly improve the recycling of plastics globally, but also is uh, really showing that we will not recycle our way out of plastic waste and pollution. And recycling alone will not solve this. We also need to start by eliminating the plastics we don't need and look at solutions like reuse, for example, to make sure we we need less um, plastics in in the first place. Um, if we look at plastics um, recycling more specifically, I mean, one of the biggest challenges is the fact that the economics don't work. Uh, it, you collect, sort and recycle plastic packaging, that, that whole process together costs more than the value of the plastics that comes out at the end. Um, so if there's no funding going into that system, the economics don't stack up and therefore it's very unlikely that, that this system would ever scale. Um, but there is a solution to that um, and, and that's what we've seen in, uh, in Europe with extended producer responsibility policies where the manufacturers, uh, the producers who are putting plastics or plastic packaging uh, on the market, they need to contribute financially to, to bearing the cost of collecting, sorting and recycling um, that waste. And that's really the, the only proven way to make the economics of, of recycling work. Um, uh, and that's now very widely recognized. Even the brands and retailers who would be the one who will have to pay those fees, even they themselves have publicly recognized that those policies are the only proven way to make the economics work. And that without them, um, plastic packaging recycling is, is unlikely to ever scale. And, in, and, and this um, contribution to the cost, uh, let's say, of managing um, uh, package, packaging waste, plastic waste, I mean, is this happening um, across uh, the, the European level or in certain countries more than others? And, you know, what about places like the United States or um, some countries that are still in a development phase? Yeah, so Europe has had extended producer responsibility policies for... I think about 30 years or so, like starting in, in, in Germany around 30 years ago. Um, of course, these were not perfect first first time, so they have been evolving over time. They have been becoming better. Uh, but even until today, that there's definitely room for improvement. We still see countries where, to come back to the issue of flexible packaging, where the EPR fee is um, 300, 400 euros per ton for flexible packaging, which we know is simply not enough to make the economics work for these very challenging flexible packaging types. Uh, they are the most difficult and therefore the most costly to be able to recycle. So we still see um, significant areas of improvement in EPR, even in Europe. Uh, but what we've been seeing over 
the last few years is that also outside of of, uh, of Europe and many other regions around the world, uh, EPR is definitely uh, rising. I guess that that wide recognition that it's really the only way to make the economics work is starting to result in more and more countries um, from Chile to Peru to some states in the US uh, to Canada to, you know, various countries in Asia, they're all looking, uh, I mean, some of them have already started implementing, others are in the process of implementing. So it is uh, on the rise, but there's still many countries around the world where this where EPR is still not being developed and being worked on. So that there's definitely, um, yeah, yeah, ideally but- more countries start to work on that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, let, let me just take uh, a little step back or, uh, again, you know, on the issue of recycling. I mean, why is it so difficult also to recycle plastic? I mean, is it because there are, for instance, different kind of plastic or because the packaging is often mixed with other elements which make it difficult? Yeah, I mean, first of all, there's still many plastic packaging and plastic products that are not designed recyclable in the first place. So that's already uh, making it impossible to recycle them. We still have many crisp bags, cookie wrappers, etc., which are multi-material, which means you have multiple very tiny layers of different plastic types put together, uh, impossible to kind of uh, separate them from each other again. So that makes it um, impossible to recycle those. So the, the fact that many of them are not even designed to be re- able to recycle them is a first issue. For those that are technically um, possible to recycle there's still a big barrier to then recycle them in, in, in practice and you know just think about the trillions and trillions of plastic packaging items that are used every year around the world each of them is just a few grams of packaging so the, the material value of it is actually very low it's just a few grams of, of, of a quite cheap material uh, but the logistics of collecting all of that uh, as you say, there's then many different types of packaging. So then you have the cost of sorting them, sorting the PET, like the bottles from the um, polypropylene pots from the other. So that sorting is a, a whole other cost. And then recycle them, and then you have your recycled material. But but that whole process is, is a massive logistics for, for many trillions of pieces that each are worth just a few cents of material value. So that makes the economics um, yeah, not stack up, and, and, and therefore we need that uh, funding coming in through uh, through EPR policies. Just also going um, back to the report, I mean, the most recent report that you've published, which monitors, let's say, the progress that companies that have signed up to uh, the new plastic economy commitment, and these are uh, in particular big consumer goods company, I mean, could be Coca-Cola, could be Unilever, Danone, I mean, there, there's hundreds of them. I mean, in this report, um, as you just mentioned, I mean, th- there is, you know, kind of, let's say, positive and negatives in the report. So you, you were saying that uh, the amount of recycled material has doubled, um, but it's still only 10%, which you know sounds like a, a very small proportion. And, and this is just for packaging. We're not talking mm-hmm. about plastic in general. So what can companies do to accelerate that? I mean, is, is it again a, an issue that the economics don't work or, or would consumers be encouraged actually to buy um, a product if they know that the package is made from fully recycled material. Some companies do actually. There's definitely, I mean, first of all, companies need to continue doing what they're doing. As I said, the progress on recycled content specifically has been faster than it's ever been before. So they they doubled it in in just three years time. So continuing to drive that forward will be really important. However, we do know that 
maintaining this fast pace will become increasingly more difficult. Of course, they all started with the most easy parts of their portfolio, the PET bottles, which are most recycled. Therefore, there's most recycled plastics available to put back into these bottles. Um, But the more you try to drive up that percentage, the more you will need to start looking at the more challenging parts of your portfolios, the other materials, polypropylene, etc., or even going beyond rigids into the flexible packaging. So um, it becomes ever more... um, more challenging so there's definitely um, again those those epr and scaling recycling systems around the world will be important um, because if there's no if plastics are not recycled then there's also no supply of recycled materials that these companies can buy and put back into uh, into their packaging so, so that's that's definitely one thing that needs to happen the total amount of virgin plastics that companies are using continuing to drive up the use of recycled plastic instead of virgin is important However, um, as you say, the, 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 it's despite the unprecedented progress, only still at 10%, it's going to become ever more challenging. So it's already showing that, again, recycling alone will not be enough to drive virgin, um, virgin plastic use down, especially not if many of these companies um, continue to grow their business. So there will also need to be a much more fundamental way of decoupling the growth of the business from the need for packaging and and plastic packaging in the first place. So thinking about how can we actually deliver products to consumers in a different way with reusable packaging or with less packaging or no packaging. Um, So that's really an area where where we still see a a lack of progress, but will be absolutely crucial because without this um, driving the overall amount of virgin plastic use down will be uh, will be incredibly challenging if not uh, impossible and, and indeed the projections i mean apart from the fact that the report i mean you know your report with companies that have signed up to the commitment shows that the use of virgin plastic is going up but the demand you know all projections from analysts i mean show that the the demand you know is for virgin plastic is expected to to grow exponentially um in in the next few years you know unless we we find a different uh, approach to the issue um in the report and in the let's say the the strategy that the Ellen MacArthur foundation um supports there's also uh, as you mentioned the the push towards reusable containers i mean that was an element you know in the report that was quite depressing because the the, the of reusable is really tiny it's just mm-hmm. you know over one percent and it's actually going down as opposed to going up so what is the fundamental barrier for instance to expand this category which seems the most uh, eco-friendly uh, possibly despite the unprecedented progress on recycled plastic use the, the use of virgin plastic of these leading companies uh, they've just managed to maintain it constant from 2018 to 2021 um, so not driving it down so that's where more fundamental changes like reuse will be crucial and, and as you say that's where we where we haven't seen um, progress uh, from uh, well across the board really and I think the real challenge is that if you um, it requires much bigger changes to companies business models, supply chains, etc. If you think about shifting from virgin plastic to recycled plastics, that's in a way, you know, the, the most easy low-hanging fruit. I know it's technically quite challenging. I know it's kind of can be costly and there's all kinds of challenges. I don't want to uh, ignore those. But if you zoom out, it is basically shifting from one supplier to another, from buying virgin plastics 
to buying recycled plastics from from uh, from a recycler. So it's a, a shift of supplier and and not more than that if you zoom out again, oversimplifying a little bit. If you look at reuse here, you need way more changes. It start, certainly starts to think about, oh, I need to deliver my products in a different way. Maybe I need to redesign um, my packaging or even the entire product or the whole business model around it from going from, um, uh, I don't know, toothpaste in a paste form to kind of tooth tablets um, that are more easily sold in a, in a jar, a reusable jar, uh, instead of a hard to recycle uh, uh, tube. Uh, or uh, like you see in the beverage industry, going from uh, single use bottles to reusable bottles or to a soda stream type of model like PepsiCo has done. Those are completely different ways of delivering your products um, to consumers. So of course that requires much more change comes with, with much more uncertainty, much more questions um, to work out. Um, so therefore it's in a way normal that the progress is, is slow. But what worries me most is that it's not just progress that is lacking, but also ambition level and actual strategies. Uh, we're three, four years since the launch of the global commitment. And I think it's fair to say that very few companies actually have uh, even a plan or a strategy on reuse um, going forward. Uh, it was very positive to see last year, 2022, the two of the first biggest uh, glo big global brands that set quantitative reuse targets with Coca-Cola um, and PepsiCo committing that by 2030, um, I think 30% and 20% uh, respectively of, of their beverages will come in uh, in reuse models rather than single use models. So those are some of the first um, quantitative reuse targets. Uh, so it shows that companies are starting to think about real plans and real strategies to drive this. But that's still um, the minority. We really need to see many more companies to put in uh, the hard work is it will be really hard work to figure out how to best make it work economically, environmentally, etc. But put in that hard work to to actually develop uh, a concrete and ambitious reuse strategy. From your uh, viewpoint, I mean, do you feel that consumers and um, investors also are paying enough attention um, to the plastic waste challenge? I mean, obviously, we live in a world where there is a lot of competition, if you want, for ECG matters and ECG targets. I mean, people have, uh, you know, targets to reduce the CO2 use. I mean, they have social target, government targets. So, I mean, is there a risk that maybe the issue of plastic waste is not so prominent and therefore companies don't feel the need to run too fast on this um, element. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the awareness is is definitely there. I mean, consistently in, in all rankings of top global issues that people are concerned of, etc., like after climate change, uh, uh, plastic waste pops up um, quite regularly. Also with policymakers, there's more and more policies being introduced on the topic. Um, and the last two years, I would say also investors are really picking up on this. I mean, with our global commitment, we created unprecedented transparency on on, on the progress uh, or lack thereof that, that, that different um, organizations are making. Uh, so you can go on our website, click on any of the big companies, be it uh, Unilever or Nestle or Coke or Pepsi or Mars or L'Oreal or whatever, and see the progress they are making on their different targets. So investors are um, picking up on that, are looking at those data, are engaging with those companies that they are investing in um, on, on the basis of that data. 
Uh, we've just, investors also yeah. engaging with you as a foundation because, I mean, you are the provider of the data and you're mm -hmm. one of the most prominent advocates on this matter. Yeah, we definitely get questions from them on like how to exactly interpret the data. We've also been publishing an, an investor guide uh, together with uh, a PRI, Principles of Responsible Investment. I think that was two years ago to give them more guidance on what can what can or what should you expect from the companies you're investing in in terms of ambition level on plastics. And we've recently, uh, a few months ago in September, announced a partnership with, with CDP, one of the leading global reporting platforms to... Um, basically built on our global commitment reporting but integrate that in the cdp platform so we can go from hundreds to thousands of companies creating transparency on their plastic um, use and 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 recyclability reusability etc uh, so that's really a, a big next step and will likely also scale investor uh, you know investor engagement on uh, on this topic yeah, I mean, Sander, I'm just wondering whether certain habits which have emerged um, during the pandemic and kind of stayed with us are uh, maybe pushing against, you know, this effort of having a, a more sustainable and circular economy. And I'm talking in particular about the, the you know, the, the need maybe to use certain single-use packages, the advent of, you know, riding hill companies that bring food to your doorsteps. I mean, the, the, some of these trends, let's say, have really exploded uh, since the pandemic. Um, is that potentially going to cause a, a setback? Because obviously, uh, if you're sort of using, you know, a single portion, I mean, you're ordering a single portion of, of your takeaway mm -hmm. food, you know, you have yeah. more package, map packaging, you know, linked to that. Yeah, it's definitely true that, that consumer habits, um, the ways Kind of products that are, are delivered to consumers at their doorstep etc are, are changing i think that that could pose extra challenges in some cases could also create opportunities i think i mean if if we imagine we'd figure out um how we best use that massive logistics uh, chain that exists now for e-commerce and delivering uh, within 24 hours at people's doorstep, imagine we find a way to leverage that supply chain to also organize reverse logistics where they also take the empty packages, reusable packages back um, and create uh, the big kind of shared global reuse system of the world where all the different brands use one shared pool of packaging um, to, to, to operate in that system. Uh, just thinking uh, think, thinking a bit out loud here, but those are the things that we're starting to think about. Um, we're starting to uh, also look into in, in, in our upcoming project. So yes, these habits change and, and, and we need to kind of um, take that into account. I'm sure they will continue to change over the next decades, but that shouldn't uh, hold us back from, it could even be an opportunity, I would say, like if we are redesigning these things anyway, let's redesign them with circular economy principles in mind from the very start, which is sometimes easier than, than try to overhaul an existing um, supply chain and logistics. If we're redesigning it anyway, let's let's get it right from uh, from the get go this time. Yes. Um, so the picture you've just uh, painted uh, for us, uh, I mean, sounded like uh, uh, quite complex already for developing um, regions, in particular the EU, the Europe, let's say, which is kind of at the forefront uh, um, of this. But, you know, how can developing countries address uh, their plastic waste challenge where there's, you know, often hardly no recycling capabilities, uh, you know, very, very difficult um, to collect, uh, you know, waste and rubbish around. I mean, uh, isn't that 
isn't the cost going to be insurmountable, you know, for, for those economies? Will they drown in plastic, basically? Mm. Well, they are they are drowning in plastics already. So um, so I think that's definitely an, an issue to uh, to fix. And I think if we you know, th- there's definitely some element of putting in place a kind of waste collection, sorting, recycling infrastructure for, for those countries. And here, the uh, extended producer responsibility schemes that we mentioned before will be really important. It's we cannot expect um, the governments of these countries uh, to pay, you know, to fund that system. That's just we're, we're talking 30 billion dollars every single year to operate that system on a global scale um, but it's a lot of money we're talking about and even in Europe the governments are not paying that they have EPR policies to have the producers cover that cost so also in those countries that will be really crucial to make that system work but here again recycling alone will not will not solve it so here looking at reuse is um, or at uh, kind of eliminating packaging wherever we can is, is also a big um, a big opportunity and we see that some models uh, are working in more um, uh, developing countries. We, we see Brazil is one of the biggest success countries for Coca-Cola when it comes to reusable uh, beverages where actually um, it becomes an affordability play where if you buy those beverages through reuse models, it can actually be uh, be more affordable for you uh, than, than buying the single-use ones. Or we see uh, organizations like Algramo who in, 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 in Chile and in other Latin American countries are uh, distributing uh, detergents and, and kind of personal care products through uh, refill models where, again, taking into account the affordability uh, that people might not be able in those regions to buy a full one liter detergent bottle because that's just too costly but they have a reusable bottle and they can buy whatever quantity they feel like buying that day they can refill it with 20 milliliters or 100 or 200 or 500 whatever they uh, they can afford or want to buy that uh, that day so these reuse models don't necessarily need to be um more expensive um but i think there is definitely some work to to think through how they would uh, how do it look like in practice uh, and and how to make them uh, most economically and, and environmentally efficient. Um, Sandra, we're getting uh, close to the end of uh, this uh, fascinating conversation. Um, I just wanted to ask you about, you know, how do you see the future of policy making evolving in this area? I mean, there are at the moment, I mean, last year, uh, over 170, if I'm not mistaken, countries signed um, up to sort of work together to find some unified um, legislation that could work at global level to eliminate plastic. And one round of negotiation has already taken place and there will be another one in France later this year. So, I mean, if you look at these discussions, you know, what kind of um, uh, aim do they have and, and, and what kind of legislation, you know, could they possibly produce? I mean, what would work uh, at a global level? Yeah, I think over the past years, given the, the massive awareness of, of this, this vast problem that we're facing with, uh, with plastic waste and pollution, we've seen uh, policy starting to pop pop up more and more in, in many different places, um, but it has been often quite um, narrow scoped, like uh, a ban on straws or carrier bags, etc., which in and of themselves are, you know, are good things to do. But, you know, the, the straws and the carrier bags are just, you know, one percent of the problem. Right. So it's not solving the, the entire problem and have also been very fragmented, uh, different countries doing different things, going different directions. Uh, so that's where 
the decision to start negotiating a global agreement on plastics, so think about the Paris Agreement for climate, but then something similar for plastics. The agreement uh, last year for, uh, at the UN level to start those negotiations uh, are uh, opening a, a unique opportunity to leverage these negotiations to come out with an ambitious treaty that sets some global uh, global rules for our countries to kind of implement in the same way so we can in that way both accelerate policy making uh, all across the world on this topic but also harmonize policy making across the world um, and that's why we are uh, arguing uh, very explicitly about uh, making sure that this negotiation ends with some uh, actual real global rules so going beyond the Paris style agreement where there is a global target, one and a half degrees, but then every country can still submit their national action plan and, and basically do whatever they want to kind of try and get to that target. Uh, we think um, with plastics, I mean, it, it's a it's a global supply chain, both the raw materials and the products as well as the waste are being transported all across the world. Uh, so if we keep setting policies at national level only without any level of harmonization, it's going to be a, a very big patchwork of countries going in all different directions, which make it very hard for supply chains to actually um, make the investments um, to comply with all these policies and still make the whole system as a whole actually work and circular. So that's what we really hope for this treaty to do, to one, be very ambitious uh, and to include, um, include some actual global rules uh, on eliminating problematic items, on stimulating reuse, on making sure EPR policies are rolled out across the world, um, looking into the, the toxicity of some of the materials and, and chemicals um, that are used and making sure that all remaining plastics that we do use um, are reusable or, uh, or recyclable. And all of that together should lead to uh, stopping plastic waste ending up in the environment and a significant reduction in the uh, production and use of virgin plastics. Well, we certainly hope that these negotiations can be successful. I believe the goal is to come up with uh, an agreement uh, within two years. So it's, uh, it's a relatively short uh, period of time. Uh, I'd like to stay in touch with you, Sander, on this uh, topic, you know, as the negotiations progress. But in the meantime, thank you very much for joining us today on the exchange. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Thomas Schum in Hong Kong. Subscribe to The Exchange and our sister podcast, The Views Room, on Megaphone, Spotify and others. Check us out every day at breakingviews.com and on Twitter, where our handle is at breakingviews.